So hello, everyone. This is Otessa, and you are listening to Conversations with Hysterical Women. That's Women with an X, the Hysterical Women podcast, where you are all welcome here, friends, allies, everywhere across the rainbow, across the binary. I'm just really glad to have you be here. And this is meant to be a safe space to explore all of the weird things that life throws at us and all of the different ways in which we can be twisted and torn asunder, but also all the different ways that we can come back together. So thank you for listening, and I'm glad that you're here and going to be cheesy, but comment, like, subscribe. You know, it's hard to equate which is harder or I don't know. I I guess, I mean, I guess I I feel like in a preferred situation, maybe theirs might look more preferable to to most of us. Um, But it is interesting because, like, she she isn't a member. Like, she has no power within that organization that she fights so hard and she works so hard for them. And it, you know, I don't know how much of a stretch this is, but it's just interesting to look at that. And if you uh, bring it to the Republican Party, for instance, um, it's or or conservatism in general in America right now, uh, it's often like fought tooth and nail very hard by white women. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, you know, conservatism in all forms, this is not just a, a white Thing, but all over the world, conservatism is generally attached to that patriarchy. So it is interesting that she, you know, fights so hard, but the limitations of her uh, power within that society or that community had already been reached, even though she far was, I guess, far superior with her use of magic. And simultaneously, yeah. though, she is not going to be gunned down for being anywhere after dark. No, absolutely not. So it's like, okay, yeah, I, I, I see you there, but you can travel in safety in other ways. Absolutely. Like no one, people can look at you or she can look at someone sideways or wink at someone and have no fear of any repercussions. Absolutely. So right. yeah, I think that, yeah. And that's, that was one thing from the book that I was just like, that is really interesting that they switch that up. We did get some really cool questions that were submitted that unfortunately we weren't able to all fully hear each other. I'm not sure if they will be successfully recorded on the recording. So, okay. um, or if we, how we exactly we got split up. So I'll like re- bring them back around one in particular, I thought was really interesting. Now I am not super familiar with John Carter. Uh, okay. Are you familiar with John Carter? I saw the movie, yes. Okay, so you're way ahead of me already. Yeah. <laughs> Robin Austin had mentioned that out of all of the kind of like Easter eggs and elements that had been brought up, the one that hadn't really been explored very much um, had to do with like the Princess of Mars and John Carter and th- that opening scene. Right, right. And how it seemed as though it might tie in with the Braithwaites and the occult element. How so? And that's when I was like, that's an awesome question. I wish that I could actually convey this to you over the call. Right. Um, because I am not a John Carter aficionado at all. I am. I just know that it's a movie. Um, but I think what Robin was saying was that the, what the Braithwaites and what their sorcery was trying to achieve might have something to do with a John Carter-like storyline. Oh, when he's trying to get, because he's trying to get back? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. And I was like, that sounds like a really interesting question, which I, uh, which I wish that I could have 
Yeah. <laughs> because I haven't seen John Carter. Yeah. And it's funny because I just watched that, oh man, maybe like a year ago. So that movie came out maybe like early 2000s. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. It's, that's, that's interesting. I, did he talk about John Carter, what it was about? So what's the plot line there? The plot line. So, and it's funny because I guess they do talk about that. And when you were when you were actually talking about H.P. Lovecraft, it reminded me of the the line that Tick said when him and that woman from the bus were talking about John Carter, and he mentioned that he was a Confederate soldier. She was very dismissive of the book. Can't put an X in front of that, right? Right. Exactly. Yeah. And he said, stories are like people. Um, loving them doesn't make them perfect you just have to cherish them or something along those lines yeah, yeah. and it was funny that, that reminded me of the hp lovecraft uh situation um but yeah so john carter was a confederate soldier he's beamed up to mars and he's he has to fight in this war that he has nothing to do with and there is he's on mars and he eventually after fighting and getting beating the bad guy getting the princess He's sent back down to Earth, and he spends his life trying to open up a gateway back to Mars to get back there, from what I remember. Okay. So that's that's interesting. That's actually, yeah, that's very on point. That Okay, now I, I'm glad that I was able to get that question, because, yeah, he was saying that of all the things that had been dropped, that seemed to be the one lead that had been buried. Right, was right in the beginning. Yeah, and if he was wondering, like, whether this was something, whether, whether Tick was going to be some sort of very othered version of a John Carter journey. Right. And if the Braithwaite's desires were sort of along the lines of this John Carter mythos. That, it makes sense because he's kind of now stuck fighting this battle that really isn't his. There's yeah. nothing really to do with him. He's just by the genetic lottery that is life he is connected to these people uh so it is, it is very interesting because yeah because right now tick's motivations right now is just to protect his family and friends yeah he's not trying to open up the gates to go to any other dimensions or anything along those lines he's just trying to survive interesting i would never have thought of that so thank you for well thank you to robin for that question and thank you for unpacking that with me because I was like, that sounds really good and shame on me because I haven't watched John Carter. <laughs> no worries. And don't, yeah. So that was a really cool question. And then we also talked a little bit about music and musical influences, much in the way that we discussed how you appreciated the use of like modern music um, and also how that can occasionally show you how much, what has changed and what has not changed enough. Right. So that was cool. And it, it definitely brings the feels. I feel like music in any era might like a music that was rebellious in one era in the next is just classic, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just normal stuff that we grew up with. So utilizing that, utilizing like modern rap, uh, it's just, it gets those feelings a lot more. Uh, yeah. And it's also, I think a, a nice nod to, for how racist, we are in America and how much we have to unpack simultaneously. We have been ripping off black culture since the dawn of time. Oh, right. Of course. And like the, the confusion around that. Which is honestly, I don't think there's anything bad about uh, 
like, okay, I guess, so appropriation of culture is something that, you know, humans have been doing for forever. It's just when you don't give proper attribution. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that's the big deal, right? Like, and the music industry has a really bad record, unfortunately. Yes. Very true. Very, very true. Yeah. That was one of the other things that we talked about a little bit while we were having our very strange technical yeah hey tech wednesdays yeah hey hashtag tech tech wednesdays so one thing that so when the princess of mars appears do you think that she's speaking ralian or do you think it's a braithwaite language or am i just really dumb and that's korean oh that's right the what is the language of adam is that yeah that's what it's called yeah oh that's a good point i just thought it was gibberish but I what didn't pay attention at all. So I, I feel like I would have been able to pick it up if it was Korean, but... Wait, so fortunately, Robin just messaged that if you watch it with subtitles, it says that it is in the language of Adam. So that means... Okay, okay, life. perfect. Yeah. And then other closing thoughts. I, my, I mean, I only have one thing that mm-hmm. I thought was kind of weird. And this is really not very helpful. So <laughs> my memory of the time talking to my family was that like, if you wanted to make an international call, you had to like call and talk to the operator and the operator would be like, okay, cool. Next week, there's going to be one day and you're going to have to sit by your phone for 12 hours for your international call. But Tick just like randomly calls South Korea. Like it's no big thing. Right. And I was like, is that meant to not track or is that supposed to be weird? Huh? That I wouldn't know. Yeah, that it just seemed like the fact that he needed to call an operator uh, to make the call was as old timey. That, that that just rang like very old timey for me um, in general, but I wouldn't have known the origins of that. Yeah, I only know that because of my family when my mom was in Iran and like how difficult it was even in like the 70s to get calls back and forth. Oh, right, exactly. Robin is messaging saying that Oh, okay. Oh, this is interesting. Wondering if there was more importance to this phone call and the mysterious partner in South Korea. Oh, yeah. Regarding their breakup. Was it safer in South Korea? What sort of foreshadowing does this have? Yes. And what will that do with the immediate rekindling with Latisha? Yeah, that's so it's very interesting that this is happening because from what I understand, I think it was after the Korean War that America started getting this influx of, I guess, specifically Koreans, but then not too long after that, after the Vietnam War. So yeah, for a, for a show that has been doing pretty decent at like highlighting different communities around this time, we have women, LGBTQ, uh, obviously Black people, which is like the big pull. Right now, there isn't obviously much highlighting of Asian American communities. So I'm very interested to see where they're going with that. Yeah. I hope somehow this woman well, because oh, I guess again, spoiler alert, uh, in episode two, he does fight a woman in his room. And yeah. I not really he's not really fighting anyone. It's his imagination. But I had the impression that that was the woman he was speaking to. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I, I, it's interesting because she said that she he shouldn't have gone back home. They obviously were familiar with each other. Um, yeah, I'm very interested to see where that goes. Yeah. So that was, I'm glad that we were able to get those questions in because yeah, the, for a show that unpacks so much. And um, one thing that I forgot to even mention was 
the issue of being a veteran in a country that doesn't serve you. Right. That's also addressed. So this show is really unpacking so much that when to Robin's questions and to what you were saying, that when it does bury the lead, it's particularly of interest. Very much so. Because you don't think it's an oversight. No, no, not at all. And it's funny you didn't. So it's funny you mentioned that. So that was something that Uncle George brought up in the restaurant that he was a veteran. Right. And that, yeah. that's like a, a big thing. Right. He, he went to war for the country uh, and that sheriff, uh, Sheriff Hunt, the, um, the really scary sheriff, that, yeah. uh, you know, gets his at the end of episode one. He was also a veteran. He was a Marine and there was no love there, <laughs> which I think is very interesting. My, so my my younger brother also served as a Marine in the U.S. military. He came across people who were straight Klansmen. Jesus. Yeah, I mean, but this is this is what happens. Like yeah. the, the military, uh, the machine uh, sucks up the poor, right? And yep. a lot of these poor are coming from rural areas, and a lot of rural areas have these, you know, unfortunately, clan-like organizations. But it, I, I feel like the modern military is a little different. I, I think it changes things up just a little bit, at least while they're serving. But I thought that was very interesting that you had these two in the in the scene you had sheriff hunt and you had tick together both military but there was no love there and also like a point of contention with tick's family uh how so um his montrose his father oh right has disdain for his son's decision to serve right uh because he's serving for a country that doesn't serve them which right. also it has is reflected in many ways in james in the james baldwin speech that we right but then also to clarifies that he's really just trying to get away from his father. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that there's, you know, that there is familial abuse. Oh, that was another scene that was really interesting when um, actually I started a notepad with this and it was called Look at What You Made Me Do, which is like such a classic abusive line. Right. And when Uncle George and Tick are outside and Letitia is fighting with her brother, and he starts throwing stuff and take his like, right. should we go in there? And it That's sounds right. like it's getting physically violent. And you hear Lucas's family members say, look at what you made me do. And Uncle George says, like, no, that, that's, fa- that's their family. Don't get involved or something. Right, right. Um, which is another judgment on an age and an era, not judgment necessarily on a person. Right, exactly. Yeah, very, that's very true. And I think that's that's all that I've got. So if you have any closing thoughts, I would love to hear them. Uh, I think that's it. I I, I mean, I have, I did, I, I think it's interesting. Um, so I was able to go to the African-American Museum mm-hmm. in D.C. last year. And there was this one specific stall where they talked about the birth of whiteness, right? Where, you know, once upon a time in America, the Poor people, whether you were uh, black, white, uh, native, um, Hispanic, they were all intermingling, right? They they were one group. They were one class. And there was the ruling class, the people, the business owners, the people with money who dictated laws. They were completely different, right? They were all white, obviously, mm-hmm. but they were not the same as the poor whites. And then... Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, whiteness was created. The poor whites had some sort of, you know, allegiance to the wealthy uh, white people. And then all of a sudden, you have these racial divisions within the class. 
So I did think it's interesting that the Brave Whites uh, in Artem are surrounded. They're, they're in this town. I think their means are bigger, right? They're trying to open up a gateway, trying to get uh, back to somewhere a lot better. I don't think they're as racist as the people they surround themselves with, but it did remind me of that whole birth of whiteness thing, whereas they're, they're benefiting from being in a town surrounded by people that will keep them safe purely because of some pigmentation of their skin. <laughs> or I guess yeah. there's also money as well. I think, um, you know, when yeah. it comes, yeah, that's that, it comes back to like burying the lead. So we know, we have a better sense of people's motivations and racism. But when right. it comes to the Braithwites, we know that there's something rotten in Denmark or Sweden. I mean, they're right. really, really white. Yeah. <laughs> but we're not really sure what. Right, exactly. But there will be something sorted. And that's that's the, the unknowable of like exactly how are you rotten. Right. Um, exactly. Yeah. And that's also interesting about like the, the birth of whiteness, because even with when you talk about immigration, people can move up the ladder into whiteness. Right. So being Polish or being Irish or being Greek you know, over time, you're suddenly allowed into being white. Right. But you have to agree with the rules and the racism. Absolutely. It's acceptable at that point. Yeah. It's very interesting. But yeah, no, I thought that was very telling because I think they said it was Bidford. Bidford was the name of the town, I think, which surrounded Artem. Mm -hmm. And it was founded by witch hunters, right? Yeah. And it's very apparent that the, the occupants of Artem deal with magic. So I just thought it was interesting that it was those people that were keeping them safe based off their history. And yeah. Just, yeah. Oh, so, that is really interesting. Yeah. Had they known that they were protecting warlocks? Or do they know? Yeah. Right. There's all these questions. That is, um, that's interesting. But yeah, I think those are the last of my notes. My name is Tarek Mansour, and you are tuning into Conversations with Hysterical Women. You can find me and my production collective, Team Red Pro, on Instagram at Team Red Pro or YouTube, Facebook, same name.